I hope you're strapped in and strapped on. Evangelical purity culture. Your girl has not had sex. I did think that you could sit on semen and get pregnant. I mean, if you were determined. I just thought my clitoris didn't work. Used that vibrator and was like, oh, it works. Okay. <laughs> Hello everyone, uh, my name is Em and you are listening to Sexistentialist, the podcast where you and I talk about sex. Um, today we're talking about religion and sexuality, um, specifically through the lens of evangelical purity culture, um, and also kind of more importantly breaking free of the shame and harm that purity culture does um, to this day to countless people across the world, um, you know, in our experience and in the US and oftentimes, particularly um, young women. So today I'm joined um, by another dear friend of mine, Kat. Hi, Kat. Hi. Um, welcome to Sexistentialist. I'm very excited to meet you. Thank you. To meet you. To me. <laughs> Hello, nice to meet We've you. We've never met each other before. I'm actually a stranger <laughs> that she ran into on the bus. On the bus. And I said, would you like to talk about sex with me? Yeah. And I said, completely. Um, Should we tell them how we met? I was about to say, because we met in the most sex-related way in a non-sexual way. Yeah, it was very platonic. It, yeah, obviously is, and will always be platonic. Um, you don't swing this way, and you're not my type. Uh. It's pretty rude of you to say that, but yeah, continue. Um, we met on, on Bumble, but we met on Bumble BFF. Yeah, we both uh, were kind of lonely, and I swiped right on you because your profile wasn't alarming. Thank you. Yeah, I mean that's good. I well, I feel like we yeah, it was it was a safe bet. Um, yeah, no, let's be real. Our conversation was very boring. I remember it was about clothes. Oh, I really liked it. I only met up with you because I thought it was oh, I'm really getting along. <laughs> I was like, oh No, I, I thought you seemed nice. It just it wasn't like you were deep like, or anything. Sold. No, that that's true, yeah. But then we had dinner and it, we we immediately just Well, we can both talk to walls. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But and we have no filter. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was like down to the nitty-gritty, as I like to say, very immediately which has led to a strong bond yeah which... so I think two drinks and a dinner and we were best friends and yeah here you go and I think something that makes our friendship unique is that obviously I love to talk about sex mm-hmm. and also habit in some situations and I'm not sure I had said the word penis before I met you <laughs> I, I'm kidding I had said the word penis before. Uh, yes um but kind of like segueing into, you know, traditionally, as listeners know, I usually have guests start off with like a funny, iconic, sex-related anecdote. Um, and the fun thing about Kat's anecdote is... I'm a virgin, <laughs> so I have zero fun sex anecdotes because your girl has not had sex. Um, but I had lots of friends in college who were having sex in lots of weird places, <laughs> and I have so many stories about that, but the one I was going to tell is, I won't name them. Sure, no, of course not. But a good friend of mine, she lived, like most of my friends in college, we all lived in the same dorm, and she and her boyfriend, so this is back, like we all had roommates, mm-hmm. and she wasn't good friends with her roommates, so I feel like that's important to the situation. Her roommate was... I don't want to be rude, but weird. <laughs> Anyways. I mean, if it's fair. I get a text message from her one time at like 6 p.m. She goes, Kat, 
Kat, I'm in trouble. So what had happened is that she and her boyfriend were having sex in her bed True. and her roommate walks in. Okay, this is a Baptist college. Right. Her roommate was very, and probably still is very, like, purity culture to the max. Sex mm-hmm. is a sin. How dare you? So she was terrified. Right. And her roommate was also weird and mean. So she hid under her sheets because they were both butt naked. Of course. And I mean, not of course. I guess so like clothes sex is Yeah, thing, so she texts me and I have to go down to her room and just very loudly talk to her so that I'm distracting her roommate from what was actually going on, which is that her boyfriend was getting dressed because they were literally like inside of each other yeah. and didn't know what to do. And so you just, you showed up to shout, not shout, but like talk loudly at the roommate to distract I literally showed up to like put my body between her bed and the roommate's body and then just talk loudly so she didn't figure out what was going on. Do you think that like she benefited in that instance from her like, as you put it, like purity culture to the max by like truly being ignorant? Like was yeah. ignorance bliss? Oh yeah, probably. She's like could not picture someone having sex like it couldn't have she she definitely strikes me as the kind of person who like didn't know that she has a clitoris probably still doesn't know i like in that instance that you were complicit in a sex act but like not in a threesome way yeah i mean you were like you were like you were like totally a part of the sex that was happening just not like in a in a threesome way. Yeah, I, I was like that. I was the third wheel in many relationships in yeah. college. Yeah. Every, everyone was like, hey, we're looking for a third wheel. I single-handedly <laughs> credit myself with the success of, like, at least three relationships. Because you were just, like, so good at being a friend to yeah. both of them? That makes sense. I, I, yeah. Before we segue into your experience with purity culture, um... Which you're still, like, living through internally. Um, I want to start off by saying that, like, being a virgin does not mean that your sexuality or your relationship to sex is less valid than people who have had sex thousands of times. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I repeat that to myself every day when I wake up in the morning. Yeah, and this is why we're having this conversation, right? Is it's like sex conversations aren't just for people who have sex. They're for people who are exploring their sexuality in any capacity. Um, And so, like, this is a, like, a judgment-free, virgin-welcome household. Yeah, Uh, and, like, as a person who is in their mid-20s and has never been in a serious relationship, I can often feel like the only person, you know, kind of, like, in a league of my own, but in the worst way possible. Right. Um, you, I think oftentimes it feels like it's your fault right. that it hasn't happened yet and that something must be wrong with me hmm. because why does no one want me? Right. And That's, of course, not true. Yeah, I have to remind myself that there are other people out there in the same situation as I am and yeah. have no... I mean... I kind of have a clue of why it hasn't happened yet, but it's not because no one wants me. Right. Well, I think we also have to, like, do some math in your case as well because, like, you identify on paper as, you know, 25-year-old virgin, but also, like, 
you were so deeply ingrained in purity culture, which we'll get into here in a second, until you were like 22. Yeah. So it's like, you've really only been a virgin for three years, if you think about it. (laughs) Yeah, well, I say I had my first kiss when I was 23. Um, And I would say up until that point, there were just a lot of barriers to even the thought of dating anyone. It was... You know, it's a lot harder to have a relationship when you think you're not allowed to date. Right. Um, because so, I was told I should court. Yeah. So that that did kind of put a put a stick in my dating life. Yeah, that's not exactly like hot. One, being no. told how to date, and two, being told that it's supposed to be like this. There is really specific process. Nothing sexy about the evangelical church. So. Tell me about your earliest memories of, um, you know, the, I mean, I don't know if it's like the first time sex is brought up to you in a church kind of context, but like, you know, you, you have kind of run of the mill Sunday school as a kid. At what point did it turn into, oh, we're talking about purity culture, um, or, or something around like, don't touch your bodies, don't touch other people's bodies. I don't think it explicitly came up until high school. Okay, wow. I think it was more the silence in and of itself mm. that started it. Um, I didn't know I had a vagina until I was probably 11 or 12. Wow. I, yeah. I, I genuinely did not know that that potty part was there. Right. Um, yeah, I and mean, I, I didn't know how sex worked and I, I remember the exact moment and it was a health video in the sixth grade cause I had switched to a public school Oh yeah, because I remember, you know, you start asking questions as a kid, like how do babies come about? And when my parents d- divorced, I was like, well, will you have a kid? Like, can you still have a baby? Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom told me God doesn't give babies to unmarried people. Ah, which was um, just visibly untrue. In visibly, society. yeah. I don't know how she thought she was gonna back that one. <laughs> yeah, up. she's. Um, so the extent that my parents ever talked about it growing up was, don't get married before you graduate from college, and don't have a baby outside of marriage. We won't help you raise it. They would, but right. they said they wouldn't. Um, and that was it. And so I remember. I had all these like weird images in my head of what sex must mean. I thought you just like touched each other while naked and kind of like rubbed their back. And to be fair, I think that's what a lot of us did think, but probably <laughs> just at like earlier ages. Yeah. I remember in the third grade, my friend pulled me aside because I still went to private school. So at this point, I didn't know a single cuss word. Sure. Fun fact of the day. I um, learned fuck in the third grade. I thought shut up was a cuss word. So oh, no. <laughs> she pulls me aside and she looks at me and she goes, do you want to know how to have sex? And you were like, And I was no. terrified, <laughs> but I said yes. And she looks me dead in the eye and whispers, you sleep together naked. I fully believed her. And for the next three years, truly believed that that was how you have sex. That's also terrifying because that's like a low stakes interaction. Haunted, yes. So fun fact, I did develop a fear around the time that I was like 11 to 13 Mm -hmm. due to other trauma that I was pregnant. I constantly thought that I was pregnant because I didn't really understand how that happened. So I thought it could happen like 
Casually. Just by touching someone accidentally. That's so scary. Yes, I did think that you could sit on semen and get pregnant. I mean, if you were determined, maybe. <laughs> like, yeah. I would you ask. sit and spin. I asked my mother on a walk as like a 12-year-old if there was any way that I was pregnant. And I remember her face at that moment realizing she had fucked up majorly. Yeah, I mean, like, that. that is... A failing moment for a parent you know what I mean like doesn't make them a bad person doesn't make them a bad parent but means that they have just completely disregarded a child's needs to have yeah a basic understanding and and this is the important thing too and and I know hopefully most people once they get to a certain age um, agree, at least potentially before having kids of their own, at which point they might kind of regress. But it's important to teach kids the scientific basics, right? You don't need yeah. to, you don't need to teach a 14 year old, like how to give great head. You don't need to teach a 13 year old, like how to, you know, I don't know, like what sex toys to buy or something. You know what I mean? Like, obviously those are adult conversations, but a 13 year old, a 12 year old, an 11 year old does need to know what body parts they have needs needs the opportunity at least to ask questions that they have yeah because with all love and respect to my mother who was a wonderful parent mm-hmm. and a fabulous intelligent woman telling me while I was in the bath as like a four-year-old that if I ever found a hole down there don't worry about it not a great way to introduce someone to their vagina because I didn't know you were born with one I thought it grew in until an an alarming age i did not realize i thought baby girls were born without a vagina smooth downstairs like ken yeah i i never touched myself so i didn't know there was a hole which like sounds crazy but that was just not i didn't even know you could have sexuality i didn't know that women could get turned on Mm. i mean these were just not things that i knew until high school yeah and obviously like you experienced physical arousal you just didn't know what it was yeah and so it developed into OCD because the only thing I was hearing about sex is that you shouldn't have it yeah and so the only tone that it was ever spoken about in by people that I trusted was shamefully Mm. and so immediately when I started adolescence sexual feelings were shameful right and so from the get-go sex and shame were the same thing when did silence kind of transition into um like if you touch yourself you'll go to hell yeah I will say I think the whole masturbation thing is more catholic than it is evangelical evangelicals really just don't like to acknowledge that people masturbate okay I would say that's probably never a conversation we even had um I mean fair I guess yeah just because silence around stuff in general is so common yeah so I feel like that was their statement on it was just never to speak of it because it's that dirty and that disgusting that we just don't talk about it they do love to talk about porn addictions though oh my god I have heard love to talk about porn addictions so in my own experience in the evangelical church it was it was (laughs) Did you ever hear about the bubble wrap analogy? No. Oh my god, we did this skit when I was in Christian school for three years. Um, we did this skit where like it was a support group for people who were addicted to popping bubble wrap, but it was like so blatantly about porn because of the words we were using. It was like, 
well, when I'm not popping bubble wrap, maybe it was porn and sex addiction. It was like, when I'm not popping bubble wrap, I'm watching videos of people popping bubble wrap. And when I'm not like popping bubble wrap or watching videos of it, I'm like closing my eyes and imagining bubble wrap while I masturbate. But they wouldn't say the word masturbate, but it was like so blatantly about it. And I was like, what is this toxic? Anyway, that's a, a, a segue into. Yeah, I, they, they just... No, I do think you can have a porn addiction and that it can yeah. be, become a problem, but they talked about porn addictions like it was the worst thing. What about a meth addiction? I think we can agree that a meth addiction is more destructive than a porn addiction. Yes. You know, but they weren't talking about that. No, of course not. And um, lots of kids I grew up with are now addicted to drugs. Not porn. Drugs. Drugs. Anywho. Um, yeah, I think in... Probably like late middle school to high school, they started having purity themed nights and retreats. So every year we had a purity retreat. Okay. So it was like a weekend long retreat. And there was, well, they split the guys and girls and did different things with them. I, fun fact, by the grace of God, never went to the purity retreat. Good. For some reason, I could never make it that weekend. And I think it's the only reason I still have a vagina. And that it didn't just like, <laughs> my over. clitoris, I should say, didn't just like wither away. Yeah. Um, but I remember, so, I mean, just the idea that you have a whole weekend dedicated to not having sex is like the best way to make people horniest. I mean, no. you're going to bring a bunch of 15-year-olds, put them in cabins, and talk about sex the whole weekend. I'd be what trying to What do you fuck. think is going to happen? I would be balls deep in everyone. Right. Like, how is that a good idea? And <laughs> so every church and every, like, pastor has their own fun way of equating specifically a woman's virginity to an object, completely objectifying a woman's sexuality right. and putting it all on her. But our church, I remember my friends all came back, and I was so jealous that I didn't get one. They had a necklace and it had a single pearl on it because your sexuality is like a pearl necklace. And every time you are spiritually or physically intimate with someone, you give them a pearl. And then when you get to your husband, what if you run out of pearls? So you have one (laughs) pearl. You have this single pearl that you wear on your neck. And that pearl is your sexuality that when you get married, you give to your husband. What I love about this, and I don't know if we've ever talked about this before, is that they gave young girls a pearl necklace to represent their virginities. But in fact, a pearl necklace is slang for when you have jizz all over your tits. I did not know that. Yeah. So if a dude comes all over your chest, <laughs> that's a so pearl necklace. Funny. I know. And so they literally gave you a pearl necklace, which is really fucking funny. Oh my God. Um, just an aside about clearly they didn't know their own sex slang that and what they were doing. so funny. So yeah. And they, they love to just give like weekly sermons. There was always like different sermons where they would talk about, you know, okay, not even just sex is bad, but, like, you shouldn't be too good of a friend, like, friends with a guy. You know, that can be dangerous. Dating is dangerous. Oh, we don't want to judge anyone, but we're just saying we didn't kiss until we got married. Just a thought. So a lot of it is never said. It's, mm. it's you don't realize what you believe until you're out of it and you right. kind of look back. So it was, like, the better Christian you are, the less you're doing before you get married. 
So like peak Christians don't even kiss before they get married. And I was given a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye, which anyone who grew up in the 90s, early 2000s purity culture is probably familiar with. Mm -hmm. I made it through one chapter before I just, I'd never finished nonfiction books, so I kind of gave up. (laughs) But that book scarred me because Mm -hmm. it basically said, if you really loved people, you wouldn't date them because dating is harmful. So... What that said to me was that if I try to date people, it's selfish. Mm. I'm doing it, it's self-serving, and I'm only going to hurt people. So I was terrified to date. I wanted to, but I never sought it out because I felt that unless God handed it to me, he didn't want me to do it because it wasn't right and it would hurt the person. That was kind of what shaped my view on dating that and like, you know, my parents didn't talk about it a lot other than saying, okay, well, you can't date until you're, I think it was 15. Yeah, which is like a pretty reasonable age. I think like most people, yeah, a lot of people's parents say ages like that. The problem was, my mom died before I ever got to 15. And so there were all these conversations that we missed. And at the time of my life where we were going through puberty and people were starting to date, I was so busy dealing with my trauma that I didn't have any time to think about that part of life. And so by the time I got to 15, everyone else was already like dating and kissing and having sex and like making out in the bathrooms. And I didn't had never registered that on my radar so I felt so behind and then I had all of this stuff from church coming at me too and so it was just kind of you know a great mixture to just yeah never talk to boys completely yeah and just feel completely utterly terrified of romance yeah no that had to have been very isolating and also like in hindsight it probably feels like that part of your personal growth was completely stunted. And oh, like without yeah. without your permission as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I I had no chance to learn. Like the only things I knew about romantic relationships were from books and movies, which right. isn't a particularly no, yeah. accurate representation. That and my family, who were all divorced right. and had horrible marriages. Yeah. So very two confusing messages. Happily yeah. ever after, but like real people get divorced. So there's no there's no stability there, nor is there any like there was health. you know, but it, it's interesting because purity culture so we most of us, and not everyone is this way, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I you know, a lot of people naturally desire intimacy right we seek out relationships we seek out romantic relationships because that's what a lot of us desire and that's kind of wired you know for you and I it's it's wired into us and purity culture has to address that in some way because it's undeniably there in like a lot of the people and so I want to quote Joshua Harris's book I Kiss Dating Goodbye because it can be I think it I imagine it would be easy to look from the outside and wonder how you could convince horny 14-year-olds that redemption was not having sex. Right. Like, how anyone managed to convince me to 
not masturbate until I was literally 24. Yeah. Because it was convincing. It was fucking well said and convincing. Right. And it was, they made it exciting. Yeah. So this is just a good quote. The world takes us to a silver screen on which flickering images of passion and romance play. And as we watch, the world says, this is love. God takes us to the foot of a tree on which a naked and bloody man hangs and says, this is love. He also writes, the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Like a fruit picked green or a flower plucked before it blossoms, our attempts to rush God's timing can spoil the beauty of his plan for our lives. Just because something is good doesn't mean we should pursue it and it right now. We have to remember that the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Hmm. So, like, they're saying things that are technically true. Right. But to justify completely denying part of your human nature. Yeah. And it's convincing and you want the things that they're talking about. Right. And what it teaches you, I found, is... You don't, I didn't, I don't know how to be proactive. Hmm. I want to be in a relationship, but I do not know how to pursue that because I was always taught that the man will pursue you and that you turn away from men towards God. I was taught to, and this is so stupid, like looking back, like how would this work? I was Hmm. literally taught if I ignore men, someone will fall in love with me. Oh yeah, Kat, if you just (laughs) never talk to guys, they're going to, I literally just thought someone was going to like fall in love with me from across the like church What, whatever you call it. The the pews, the aisle. No, the where the steeple. The chapel. Chapel. <laughs> we got there. Someone was gonna fall in love with me from across the chapel. Because God God when I I this is what this is another thing that got said a lot. The second you don't want it, yep. it will happen to you. I wasted years of my life yeah. trying not to want it. Yeah. It's no. like fucking trying not to be hungry when you haven't eaten. Yeah. It's, I'm going to let y'all know right now, I invested a solid 15 years of my life into that effort. Yeah. You're hungry. Didn't work. <laughs> Was 0% successful ever at yeah. making myself not desire a romantic relationship. Yeah. And so, yeah. It, I mean, I think media, like, adds on to that, right? Like, I think, like... I mean, I know obviously like I I had my own experiences with purity culture, right? But because of the other things that I was I had yeah. going on, the other resources I was given, um, I knew that it was bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not obviously like I'm not saying your I'm not saying your religious experience is bullshit, but I knew the part about yeah. purity culture was a fucking lie. Yeah. I knew it was wrong and um I still had the romantic idea that, like, I didn't have to, um, I I guess that meaningful love could come from insignificant and superficial situations. Yeah, love at first sight. Yeah, I mean, and and so media adds on that, right? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I thought, I thought a boy was going to fall in love with me from across the chapel and I didn't even think it had anything to do with God, let alone what you were being told to. I've personally never met someone who met their husband by locking eyes across the dance floor no absolutely not 
But but I did think that that was going to happen. I, I was like, so intentional yeah. about all of the eye contact I had as a preteen because I was like, love. Right? I would I would dress up for dances and think, this time, because I never had a date to a dance sure. <laughs> in high school. And admittedly, in college, it was always my gay friends. So <laughs> basically never. I mean. um, but I would... I would get dressed up and truly believe that like that whatever guy I had a crush on would look at me in my dress standing on the side of the dance floor and come and ask me for a dance and we would fall in love and get married. And this yeah. is what I was thinking about. The other problem is I was thinking about marriage at like 13. Right, because you wanted to fuck. Yeah, well, because that well, was it. Yeah. Like that was, that was it. There yeah. was nothing before marriage. Right. And so I was like, And I was also so fucking lonely after my mom died. Right. And that was, like, part of it, too. And it's it's just so messy. Yeah. All of it. Like, there is no straightforward pathway through my sexuality. So this probably isn't... My narrative, like, probably doesn't make a lot of sense (laughs) because it's been a fucking mess. Like, my brain is still a mess about all of it. But I was so empty and lonely after my mom died and... So I got really stuck on the idea of marriage right. and a husband at an age where that's ridiculous. Right. And I also had no idea how to get it because I was not being yeah. helped with dating at all. Or just like communicating with men. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't have a lot of healthy relationships in my life. And so, yeah, I got really, really obsessed with this unattainable idea of marriage, but that unattainable concept is never going to translate out into a like high school college life right and so it was just you know another you know kind of roadblock that I I had dreams about a man sweeping me off my feet and building a life with me but yeah that just really happened when you're 14 (laughs) yeah no and your crushes on 14 year old boys right they're not showing up sweeping you off your feet and building you a house no it's never never ever anywhere near that romantic and even as an adult it is you you would be hard pressed to find something that is like instantaneously romantic yeah like you you have to work for it yeah you work for it and it's particularly hard for me because you know and we can get into kind of when I started to break this down but like I mean spoiler alert it's all still there like my brain is still wired a specific way and I still feel disgusting yeah when a boy touches me yeah and that's something that's gonna take a long time yeah to work through because like I I think about it and it sounds nice and the second it's happening it's terrifying it's terrifying and I feel dirty so can you like I guess first like break down what, um, I guess what it is that purity culture perpetuates, um, that leads to so much shame and guilt, right? Like, is it, you said it was going to be harmful to other people. Was that because like, you know, premarital intimacy of, of any kind was like, you know, pushing you further from God as well as your partner? Yeah. So marriage is what brings you the closest to God, but you only have one shot at it Mm. and you carry all of the trauma of all of your past relationships into your, I'm just, this is the narrative 
of course not the truth um you carry all the trauma of your past relationships into your marriage Mm. and so every relationship you have before you get married will negatively affect the success of your marriage got it so the fewer people that you date before you get married the better your marriage will be um because all sins are forgivable except sex Mm. everything is redeemable except sex Mm. the only thing that can permanently tarnish you is a bad relationship and it's you know it's so it's i mean it's hypocrisy and it's like greatest sense because you're being continuously told that you worship a loving and forgiving god yeah and then there are no unforgivable sins but then somehow having sex will permanently tarnish you and that can't go away. Yeah. That's the one thing. And it, men, I mean, we can get into what it does to men and how it traumatizes them and what it, you know, yeah. the narrative that they frame about men being horny animals. Um, but for women, your your worth and your value as a person is based in your virginity and not Mm. only does that destroy you if you lose your virginity or if it's taken from you Mm. as it destroyed many of my friends who were sexually assaulted but because they were never taught how to have healthy relationships or like what it was supposed to look like and so they often ended up in really bad situations um, literally because of the lack of education that they had received there's plenty of reasons that I just am speaking to like a few specific instances but the other problem is that when you move away from purity culture you have no idea where your value is Mm. you're like lost you're like wait if virginity isn't what makes me worthwhile? Like, what do I have? Right. You know, like, what am I besides that? And, and more than that, it was a defining part of our relationship with God. And that's mm. what kills me the most, I think. Yeah. Like, that's what I look back on. And I'm in one of the things that really makes me angry is how much time we spent talking about sex and purity and more than that how much space it took up in my brain I'm sure they talked about it less than I remember it's just like all of the stuff happening in your brain at that age sex is a big deal yeah of course and so those are things that really stick out and memories that are really strong and y'all the bible really doesn't mention sex that often and I don't (laughs) think God cares that much no yeah I just really think there are bigger fish to fry and the fact that sexuality became intertwined with my relationship with God in such a damaging way, like, that's devastating. Yeah. Because, like, your relationship with God is not dependent on your relationship with sex. Right. Like, they can, they can go hand in hand in many ways, but they're not the same thing. No, I think, like, I mean, obviously, you and I have talked about this extensively, especially because um, I come at it as someone who I like to think of myself as, like, relatively well-versed in religion and and Christianity, but also don't identify as a religious person. But I I do feel strongly that 
whatever God does exist, like created humans to experience their bodies in a way that was healthy and respectful and loving. Mm -hmm. And I think that like self-exploration and self-pleasure and the beautiful intimacy that can come with sex, whether in a romantic situation or not, like all of that is like a gift that we've been given by our bodies. And it, it makes me angry that anyone would try to take that away from someone, but also more importantly, like take away the, the, you know, the amount of time and energy that you spent thinking about sex and purity culture when you could have just been focusing on your relationship with God, which is really what's important to you. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it was a barrier to my relationship with God, but it's funny because of what you said, sex was beautiful. Hmm. I have a quote that I think yeah, yeah, go for it. I can bring in now. So this is Linda K. Klein, who wrote a pretty famous book on like dissecting purity culture. Um, sexual expectations vary by gender. So this is on purity culture. Mm. Everyone is expected to maintain absolute sex- sexlessness before marriage. And upon marriage, they are expected to flip their sexuality on like a light switch. So sex is bad and terrible and sinful until the moment you get married and then sex is beautiful and good and amazing and part of God's plan for your life and your Mm. body and your marriage. Just the cognitive Spoiler alert, that's not possible. If you are raised from a young age to believe that sex is bad, sex, that part of your brain from like a neuroscientific standpoint gets very strongly wired to shame. Yeah. Shame and fear and anxiety. So every time you get turned on or someone touches you or you touch someone else, you are overwhelmed with shame, yeah. which is not a sexy feeling. No. It is very hard to orgasm when you can literally hear your youth pastor in your ear telling you that you're probably going to go to hell now. Yeah. My, my youth pastor never explicitly said that, but like... He said enough. <laughs> he said enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so... You know, it it doesn't work. You can't get married and just flip a switch on because you've been damaged psychologically. No, it's your sex centers are damaged. Very traumatic. Yeah, and so yeah, it's it's just funny because sex is beautiful, but only at the right time. Yeah, and they don't they don't pave they don't pave the path for that is the thing. So it's like very. It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Um, Again, I did not know where my clitoris was until I was like 23. Yeah. And you knew about it. I mean, like, let's... I'm let's not let... even sure I knew what it was. But you knew about it. You knew it. You knew vaguely. of it. Vaguely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, like... Vaguely, yes. Yeah. No, but it's, it is, I mean, depending on the size of your clitoris can be very hard to find. So, I mean... Will give you like a little bit of a benefit of a doubt. To be fair, too, I also struggled to find my vagina when I was a preteen. Oh yeah, trying to put a tampon in. This was like I was still using pads. I don't even think I was trying to use a tampon yet. I remember like vividly just being in the shower and being like, I know it's fucking there. And every time I tried to feel down, I kept just feeling my labia. I think, mm-hmm. and so I was like, Oh well, like doors are closed. Like I wasn't, you know, like. every pussy is different, but just like the way that my body was, I was like, oh, I need to kind of like dig a little bit deeper. And when I found it, it was crazy, but it it wasn't even like pleasurable. It was more just like, holy shit, there's a hole there. One thing that's interesting is, um, 
up until, re- well, kind of still, I was terrified of my vagina. Fun fact, it's very traumatizing to be disgusted and freaked out by a body part that is your literal anatomy inside of you. Um, it is difficult to, um, traverse the, that, yeah, that having a part of you that you can't touch. Yeah. Um, you trying to like scratch your pussy or like put on underwear or like have deal with your period. I just like that. It's just funny because like that until like necessity forced me to like stick my finger up my vagina and like find if there was a tampon in there because I couldn't remember. I didn't know what my vagina, I didn't even know like what was going on. I like, I truly had no clue what was going on down there. I had never really looked. Mm. I didn't know what Alavia was. I didn't know what I looked like down there. I didn't know what parts of it were made up. I didn't know where the pee was coming out of. Like I had nothing because I was so terrified of it. It was like this dark cave of sin and like you and dirty. And so I didn't touch it and like, Thank God I never got, like, a yeast infection or fucking yeah. something because I probably would have thought that I was, like, dying. Yeah, or pregnant again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we did have a sex ed class in church. So okay. a male gynecologist came in and gave a sex ed course to us when we were, like, 16 or 17. Um, and it a little was, late in the game. Yeah. So, like, suddenly, you know, here's what... Um, they didn't show us, like, penises or vaginas, but they talked about pregnancy. They talked a lot about um, pregnancy. Because abortion is really bad. I, I know you've heard that sure, one. That's a yeah. whole other thing. But um, we won't even open that can of worms tonight. Yeah, same people though. Same people. Yeah. But um, they did tell us that you can get STDs from public toilets. So that was a big fear of mine that for a long just time. So ridiculous. Yeah, a doctor told me that like you can get an STD from a doorknob. So like you touch it with your hand and then touch yourself. Yeah. And then, so like, it was really any anything to keep you from touching yourself. You can get it or from like sitting. Yeah, you can get it from sitting on a toilet seat. That was the same. You like they just said some weird things in the class. They were really like, and oh, massages a- are really bad. I remember that they talked about that. They brought in a doctor uh-huh. to convince you of these just blatant fucking lies. Yeah, basically just to convince us that sex was like gonna like kill us. And touching yourself was, like, probably going to kill you, too. I don't know. Again, they never really, like, addressed masturbation. And I um, was pretty old when I found out women could masturbate. Yeah. I think I probably saw, like, a woman doing it on TV and was like, oh, interesting. Yeah, like, what's she up to? <laughs> like, you, oh, like, Damn, we'll okay. Damn, Yeah. Um, yeah, so I feel like... Just to summarize, the thing is, like, purity culture is rooted in a much deeper issue, which is, A, the patriarchy in church um, trying to root itself in a gender binary. Mm. And as a Christian, I, I do believe that God made gender. He made man and woman. But as I once heard put beautifully... The Bible says God made night and day, so therefore he must have also made everything in between. Mm. So if God made man and woman, he must have also made everything in between. Of course, yeah. And 
also just kind of a tangent, but if God has no gender, yeah, wouldn't having no gender make you like more like God and more holy? Yeah. But that's, you know, a whole, a whole other, whole other thing. But we could do a whole episode on like gender <laughs> identity in the church. But, you know, it, it's, it's rooted in this idea of like man strong, woman weak. Yeah. These people are good. Those people are bad. They're the other. We don't like them. Um, it's very easy to control people when you control their sexuality. Yeah. Um, and you always need a scapegoat. So gay people are a really great scapegoat. And right. that's, like, I think where a lot of this came from. But it also it, it digs deeper into just the concept of biblical inerrancy and that there's one way to read the Bible and right. that the Bible you have in front of you is complete factual truth, 100% every word. You have to take exactly what we say. Like, your pastor speaks no lies. Mm. What he says is the ultimate truth and there's only one thing. There's only one way to read this book. Right. Like, here's a thousand-page book. There's only one way to read it. Right. Not to mention the, like, numerous authors and also, like, translations. Yeah. And so this concept of purity culture, like, really extends outside of just sex to everything about your relationship with Christ. And, like, everything is controlled Mm. and specified and has to like everyone is loved and accepted but you're not a good christian if you don't believe this specific interpretation of the bible yeah and i think that's like the bigger concept is that there was never room for difference or individuality or personal experiences Mm. it was there's one way to be a christian there's one way to follow god and that's it right so obviously there's a lot in hindsight that you recognize and I mean I feel like I have a lot of questions that I I feel like you at one point you know had to address so like what did what I guess it's an ongoing journey for you obviously it's like what has it looked like breaking free of purity culture what would you recommend to someone either younger or you know, our age who's trying to do the same. And, and, you know, like, what does your relationship to your sexuality look like? I know it's certainly not easy, um, but hopefully it's an evolution. (laughs) So I guess it's important to say, like, when I even started questioning it. So I bought into it pretty much 100% other than the intense cognitive dissonance I lived with every day. Sure. But... Until college when I, so I went to a Baptist university specifically because it was conservative and I graduated as like basically a socialist. So joke's on me um, <laughs> because I failed. Yes. Completely failed at my goal to be a staunch Republican when I graduated because <laughs> I graduated and I was like, I'm not sure Bernie Sanders is liberal enough for we, me. We would not have matched on Bumble BFF had you been a staunch Republican yeah. on your dating profile. Um, I was a big Bush fan. <laughs> I didn't know politics, just to be clear, the second I learned anything about politics, I was like, oh my god, disgust. <laughs> so, anywho, so I, I got an education. I mean, like, that was really the big thing, but I got really lucky that I was part of an honors program, so I wasn't taking the bullshit Bible classes that everyone else was. I had yeah. um, Dr. Tatum, who changed my life, and he has 
probably like multiple PhDs. He has, he, you know, he's a man who like, he speak, he knows ancient Hebrew, like he can read the Bible in like mm-hmm. its original forms. So this was in college theology classes. Yeah. He was a strong Christian, but also incredibly liberal, which was again, very new concept for me. And this is spicy, but I don't know how you can really read the Bible and not be a liberal, but whatever. Which I love for you to explain more in depth. No, I mean, like, obviously, like, I love it. I can just, I I'm going to make it. my own podcast on how um, Christian politics make no sense to me. But in retrospect, obviously, like, I thought it made sense. Sure, of course. But you also thought beauty culture made sense. Yeah, I also just had never questioned it. And so I think one of the things that he brought, like taught us was just to question things like that you were allowed to ask questions Mm -hmm. and that things were allowed to change. Like we were allowed to um, dig into the Bible that it didn't have to be read completely as historical fiction, like or Mm -hmm. historical truth. Mm -hmm. We talked a lot about like mythical truth, which is, you know, the idea that just because a story in the Bible didn't actually happen doesn't mean that it doesn't like it still has important truths about our relationship with God. Sure. So that the Bible can still be perfect without Mm. having to take everything at face value. Right. And that there are inconsistencies and translational errors in the Bible that are undeniable. Right. And unfortunately the evangelical version of biblical inerrancy doesn't allow for that. And I think that Mm. makes us really vulnerable because we're presenting the Bible in a way that it was not written to stand up to. Mm. Like, I mean, you just start right off the bat. There's two creation stories and they contradict each other. Yeah. I didn't know that. I literally, like, I literally, they had never read Genesis 2. I'm not making this up. They just had you skip it. I, they had always, like, never addressed that. I did not realize that there were two creation stories in the Bible. I don't know how I missed that other than they just refused to talk about it. No, I, I mean, they also literally wrote on the whiteboard, there's no mistakes in the Bible. Everything is completely true. Right. So I was going down the fact that Jonah got swallowed by oh yeah a whale and that evolution wasn't real because I thought that that was cornerstone of my faith and this was the time when I realized it wasn't. Right. That evolution doesn't like doesn't affect my belief in Jesus Christ. Right. Sex doesn't affect my belief in Jesus Christ. Right. Like changing my understanding of the Bible doesn't it didn't destroy my relationship with Jesus. And so mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, I can ask questions. Yeah. I can ask questions and still have a relationship with God. Right. So, you know, and looking at it from a theological standpoint, I just learned so much that I had never known. And I truly started to like actually read the Bible in a useful way. Yeah. I think the best way to break down purity culture is to just read the Bible. Yeah. Educate yourself. Like, just, like not even in the sex way. But you, you don't have to listen to one person or one pal. Go read it for yourself. Yeah. Like, what you get out of the Bible is between you and God, ultimately. Like, we should seek help and, like, guidance. Yeah. But it's also important that we can read the same passage and come to two different conclusions. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Right. As long as, you know, as two Christians, we agree that, like, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Sure. Um, And then the other thing was just having friends who didn't conform Hmm. to this idea had always, like, left me with questions. 
And, you know, for a long time, I just thought, oh, they're broken. Mm. But then I had a gay friend and I just, I know it sounds silly that it was just like one person and like one thing, but I just remember thinking I cannot look him in the eye and tell him that he's wrong because that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like there's nothing wrong with this and he doesn't even want this. This is who he is. Like this is just who he is. If he had any choice, he like he grew up Catholic in yeah. Texas. The boy would not be gay. Yeah. You know, and I just was like so done with it. Yeah. You know, I was like, I can't I cannot do this. Yeah. I either need to find a way to have this faith and not have carry that with me, or yeah. I don't like I don't know, like, I'm, you know, I don't want to walk away from the faith, but, no, of course it, you know, I was just at this impasse where, like, I couldn't believe that anymore. Yeah. And so, it, yeah, I just started to ask questions and seek out, you know, or maybe stumble upon <laughs> people who were presenting a different narrative and presenting the idea that Christianity can look different for different people. Yeah. And that there were ways to heal and, like, deal with my sexual issues and still have a healthy relationship with God and that those could be compatible because, you know, I knew that I had been really damaged sexually and that I wouldn't never be able to have a healthy relationship unless I dealt with that. Yeah. And it is going to continue to require like hard work, hard work in exploring my body and figuring all of that out. Like you, you know, you can't just like, um, philosophically undo that. No. Yeah. I mean, I think like that's, that is the hard part about this at least in my mind or if I put myself in your shoes is because it's one thing for me as someone who has you know an anxiety disorder to pay someone once a week to talk to me about my problems and like give me coping mechanisms and all this stuff and it's another thing for you know you to have to like lay in bed and be like okay I'm gonna try to touch myself now like the the physical act that you have to put yourself through I mean that like it sounds like it's traumatic but the the foundations of that experience are traumatic. Yeah, they, they've they have it's the culture has forced it to be for it's you. It's not easy, yeah. and I mean that's kind of where I am right now. Is I I'm learning what I believe, but the fear is still there and the shame is still there. Like those haven't gone away yet. Yeah. Um. And so there are definitely days where I lie in bed and I think, oh my gosh, you know, I've I've done it. Yeah. I've ruined myself. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, you know, I'm, I've given into the world, you know, and then yeah. I'm like laughing because I did exactly what they told me to do. Yeah. I, I did everything right. I yeah. didn't date. I didn't kiss. I didn't touch myself. No. And then I was 21 and broken. Yeah. I had a full blown obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah. R- surrounding my sexuality yeah um and I know I haven't like touched on this a lot because it's hard to talk about but I do think it's important to say that like this does happen to people yeah I was so terrified of being gay Mm. or being attracted to the wrong person or the wrong thing that I developed obsessions and compulsions surrounding it I developed a 
behaviors to cleanse myself, basically. Yeah. Um, this is a common story for, like, yeah. evangelical church culture, purity, or otherwise. So, like, there's a high correlation rate yeah. between that, that experience and developing OCD. Yeah, and if, you, like, and I, you know, maybe I always would have developed some sort of, like, disorder, but it was definitely like colored and guided by yeah. what they were teaching me in church. In OCD, your brain will kind of think of the worst possible things. Right. And so I was like gay or I was attracted to a family member or I was attracted to like an, like, an animal. Like yeah. I, I was just so, so terrified. Right. And I had no concept of like how getting turned on works or how sexuality works. Fun fact, it just like kind of happens. It doesn't yeah. mean anything. <laughs> yeah. Like... Yeah. You know, sometimes you just get turned on for no reason. Yeah. You, like, that's fine. I didn't know any of this. Yeah. And so I built up for about a decade this belief, this secret, dark truth that I was broken and dirty and disgusting. Yeah. And that I can never really let someone in mm -hmm. because there was something immutably wrong with me. Right. And that is... I think ultimately, you know, where I ended up and what I'm dealing with yeah. and breaking down now is just learning how to exist in my body without being scared of it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've masturbated twice now. Nice. Um, we love that. I will also add um, to the listener's context that um, I drunkenly ordered for Kat um, my favorite vibrator yeah. and that has she ordered two that night and I'll say that mine has won both both yeah times. it's way better <laughs> um I can't penetrate with it which like probably isn't surprising no. well I just thought I'd like poke around and, and no 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 it's it's always worth trying I'll, yeah I was just curious but you know I yeah mean, any any woman will tell you that the clit is more than not where it's at. Yeah, and and so penetration can feel overwhelming, no matter what. Yeah, and obviously because of your experiences, it's an extra level that you don't you can work your way up. Yeah, to. yeah, yeah. So touching myself with my fingers had never turned me on. Sure. Which um actually I think happens to people. It's like you know, like tickling yourself doesn't tickle. No, yeah. I think it's just like for some people, like touching yourself with your own fingers yeah. doesn't doesn't do anything. Yeah. And I've never let another man's fingers go down there. Sure. So well, I did the close ones. So I was like, oh my god, I'm broken. I just thought my clitoris didn't work. Um, used that vibrator and was like, oh, it works. Okay. <laughs> And that's, okay. that's, that's the thing too, is like, that's not a weird, you know what I mean? Like that, that narrative isn't like a weird, oh, like cats, you know, broken from purity culture. I mean, obviously like the, the like shame part of it and the like immense amount of effort you have to go through in order to explore that is a symptom of the purity culture. Yeah. But also like, I mean, figuring out what you like and what turns you on and what feels good like that's that's a natural part of the process and like you're you're already you're doing it you know yeah I mean? but one thing I do want to establish is that the most important thing if you're trying to recover yeah and you grew up in purity culture and are like me and desire to someday have a healthy relationship is like you have to be really really fucking patient with yourself yeah because I masturbating is like not even sexual for me at this point yeah. because 
that's still hard. I like, first of all, I like, I can think about sex or I can touch myself. I can't really do them both together yet. So, um, because I'm still very afraid of my own mind. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to like have a bad thought while I'm touching myself. Yeah. So for now it like is literally just me sticking a vibrator and seeing what happens. Yeah. But like what's interesting is like, I always thought masturbation was like that if I masturbated, it would make sex like less, like that I would take something away from sex when I had it. I don't think they're really the same thing at all. They're totally, totally different. So far seem to be like pretty unrelated to me. (laughs) Yeah. Like I can use a vibrator and not think about anyone. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That was very surprising. So it's just interesting because like, it has nothing to do with intimacy. Yeah. I mean, like, it does, though. With yourself. With yourself. I think it's just more, for me at this stage, learning to not be afraid of my body. Yeah. I think, like, that is the first step, is, like, learning how to not be afraid of myself. Yeah. And then hopefully the next step will be to learn how to not be afraid of other people. Yeah. Um, I did get really drunk once and almost had sex. So. Which, yeah. Which was, like, a good learning moment for you, but not, yeah. like, a good situation. Yeah, it was, in a, it was in a great situation, but it was in a period of my life where I was, like, very lost and very lonely and yeah. just wanted to feel something. Yeah. Um, and um, shame is a feeling. <laughs> it's, it's a powerful I didn't feeling. not succeed. At my quest to feel something. <laughs> it just wasn't what you were. It wasn't a great for. feeling, but no. I felt something. <laughs> for oh, sure. I'm sorry to laugh at that, but it's like, well, mission accomplished. Did you was, feel shame? I mean, we can end on like other people have said the way they lost their virginity. My first kiss was, I think, probably the worst yeah. I've ever heard because. I was 23 and he didn't know that I had never kissed anyone before. Right. Like he was a, an app guy, right? Yeah. So like I met him on hinge. Like, again, I got myself into this situation. I was not, I was in a pretty dark place. Like I was not making great life decisions, but we all have those moments. <laughs> yeah. And so I like met up with him at a bar and I even brought my friend with me to like, cause I was like, Oh, we're going, he was like, Oh, I'm having a party. And I was like, Oh, like, you know, can my friend and can I bring my friend with me? Yeah. Because I didn't think we were ever going to be alone. And I was trying to make it casual because, like, I had really never been on a date before. Yeah. And I didn't eat beforehand and got drunk. Yeah. Accidentally got really drunk. Didn't realize how drunk I was. My friend went off to, like, I think just, like, snorting cocaine or something. I don't know. I mean, yeah. And <laughs> so it was just me and him, and I was wasted, and he started kissing me, and it just kind of happened. Yeah. You know, like, I I didn't like it, but yeah. I didn't really feel anything. I just didn't stop it. And then, like, we were in his bed, and we were taking off our clothes, and I had no idea what was going on. It was just kind of happening, and then yeah. he stuck his hands into my underwear, and I sobered up immediately. Yeah. And basically was like... You know, like, I tried to be cool about it for a minute and, like, was like, oh, I'm just too drunk to have sex. And, like, we tried to kiss and then I was like, okay, I can't do this. Yeah. And we, like, just, I, I ran out of the room. I yeah. made some excuse. And then I left, like, a ring. And so I had to 
get out of my Uber, make an excuse, run back up to his room, get it, tell him I'll call him, get in the car, and then block him on every app because I had almost had sex after my first kiss because it's really fucking confusing when you're, like, a fully developed adult having your first kiss. Yeah. Because, like... And that much alcohol doesn't make it easy for anyone, let alone when you're in that position. And when you have just never communicated expectations. And so he thought, like, oh, we're going to have sex, which is, like, fair. Yeah. In retrospect, like, learning more about the dating scene here, it makes sense that he thought that. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's unfortunate, but, like, this, this stereotype is, like... If you're drunk and horizontal, it's happening. Yeah. Which, like, not the right move. No. But I also had spent years and years and years thinking about sex. Like, I had had a whole sexuality in my head, in my imagination. And so, for a moment, it made sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, in that drunken state, for a moment, it seemed totally fine to just go ahead and do it. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I didn't. I think it was like yeah. a God thing that I didn't no, have right. sex because yeah. I, I think it would have fucked me up yes. pretty bad because, yeah. you know, I hadn't even met you yet. And, yeah. you know, like I think being friends with you has been good because it was really the first time that we were just having casual conversations about sex without the tinge of shame that always comes with friends who have all grown up in the church yeah. and, like, are having sex but feel bad about it. And, yeah. are like, my friends were having sex, but it was kind of sexy because they weren't supposed to be having sex. Which, like, I wouldn't feel that way. I feel like I'd be more in your camp. Yeah. Like, oh, shame, shame, shame. But, like, but... it wasn't that we weren't talking about sex in college. It was just it was always colored yeah. by purity culture and by the unsaid truth that it was shameful. Yeah what they were doing right and so in the past couple years have been the first time that like sex is just sex yeah like there's just not really a way it's ever been presented to me yeah um well I feel like I've personally seen you I mean obviously um I know you've masturbated twice now which I do love for you but I mean like two sessions yeah yeah. oh (laughs) um yeah, no, well, I mean... Apparently, you just keep going. <laughs> Multiple orgasms. Okay. Um, <laughs> I love that. Okay. So, yeah, like, I, I'm excited for you, but I also know this is, like, a... It's hard. It's scary. Yeah. Like, it's really exhausting afterwards, because then you're like, am I going to hell? Yeah. No, the emotional I, To be fair, I'm not even sure I believe in hell anymore, but, like, also, I'm afraid of it. It's the fun. Well, That's the yeah. fun, like, like, limbo I'm in right now. <laughs> yeah, which, no, I mean, obviously, that is, like an immense amount of strain that your like mind, body and soul have to go through with each, each kind of like inch that you move towards knowing your, yourself. Yeah. I'm having to convince myself of things that I've chosen to believe. Right. Right. So like, I no longer believe it's a sin to be gay, but I'm still convincing myself of that. Right. And I no longer believe that touching yourself is inherently bad but I'm still convincing myself of that and um you know I'm also learning that it's okay to have different beliefs than someone else Mm. and um 
you know, it's okay for people, like, we can reach different conclusions. Yeah. And that's okay. And there's still a lot of questions that I have. Yeah. And that's obviously part of it, too. I mean, related to sexuality or otherwise, like, you're on a quest of asking yourself questions and puzzling through them and also, you know, like, taking strides towards not just self-exploration in, in like what turns me on and what doesn't, but like self-understanding and like that takes an yeah. immense amount of patience. Well, now said. I have to do all the work myself. I can't get all the answers from an old white guy yeah. at church. <laughs> yeah. Like I actually have to go figure it out myself. Yeah. Um, I have to do the reading and the praying yeah. and... The masturbating. The masturbating. <laughs> Not together. No. Separate, separate experiences. Separate, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's hard work. But I know that, I mean, a part of me knows that it's leading to a healthier place. Yeah. And I think that's what I rely on when the voice in my head says, you know, you're doing it like yeah. Satan's one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, is that like no one ended up in therapy because they were given a healthy sex ed education. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people ended up in therapy because of purity culture yeah. and like homophobia in the church. Yeah. And it, if our ultimate goal as Christians is to bring people to Christ and this culture has pushed so many people away from the church. Yeah. Like, so many leaders in the church have left their faith altogether yeah. because of the trauma they caused other people. Yeah. And, you know, Joshua Harris, who wrote I Kiss Dating Goodbye, is, I don't even think he's a Christian right he's now. He's completely denounced that which book, right? It, oh, yeah, but I, he's denounced basically his faith which is that's unfortunate to me yeah um because it's like that's not something I desire to do right but I I think he's at a point in his life where he doesn't know how to reckon with the damage that he's caused yeah and so the easiest thing for him to do is to just walk away and if that's what's happening we must be really wrong yeah we must be way off the mark yeah like, another thing that's been really helpful for me is I, I don't have a lot of friends going through this experience with yeah. me. And if I do, we're all dealing with it in different ways. And it's sort of harder to talk to each other about it than it is to talk to someone outside yeah. of the church. No, of course. If that makes sense. Um, but there are... There's a like a YouTube channel that I love called God is Gray. And mm. she just published a book. And she's really great. I love her. There's some Instagram accounts that I follow that we can, like, link yeah. in the description. Um, weirdly, TikTok. <laughs> I know that sounds silly and you're going to laugh at me, <laughs> but something about that algorithm on TikTok just really keys into very specific things. Yeah. So via TikTok videos, I have found out that my weird OCD compulsions were normal. Literally didn't know anyone else experienced them until I saw a TikTok video on it. And I was like, that's great. It's just people who are questioning it and trying to figure out their faith for themselves. Yeah. And this is a new thing because purity culture was, you know, there's always been versions of it. But this is something that was a product of the 90s. And so 
it's kind of a it failed experiment and we're all the you know the guinea pigs fucked up guinea pig children of this failed experiment yeah and so we're in this together we're figuring it out and um you know you, you don't have to leave the church yeah um but I think we need to focus on creating a space that is safe and welcoming not only do I have a battle in my own sexuality but I see it as a battle for other people who have you know, been even more marginalized because at the end of the day, I'm a straight white woman. Yeah. Like I'm straight cis. So like the church, no one has ever, you know, attacked me at church. And part of the reason I started this battle was for other people. Right. It's for my gay friends and my queer friends and the people who I saw didn't have a place in church and that was messed up. And I, I want that to change. Yeah. I want to thank you for, like, genuinely, deeply thank you for talking about all of this because I know that it's not easy. I hope it was good for you. It was, it was basically just a free therapy session. So you're welcome. <laughs> um, thank you all for listening, and we'll be talking about sex, having it or not, again, real soon. <laughs>